0: Welcome to the Sunday Morning Podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Crawley. This message is by Rohan Andrew. So this morning we're carrying on our series about the culture of grace. So hopefully all of you, if not all of you, have been able to listen to some of these messages. So we've had three. We've had the first one from Pastor Clive then it was Colin Squires, and then it was Anna. And they've been brilliant messages. Very, very open, honest, vulnerable messages. And um, they've just opened some stuff up in our church. And do, do you know what? I was in a meeting on Friday, and I was talking to some of the other church leaders in Crawley. And um, one of the church leaders decided to say, in our, in our group, of, there's probably about seven of us, he said, why don't we go around and just talk about um, what we've been preaching about over these la- what your series is over the last um number of weeks and so i so they were all talking about different things and then i said yeah well ours is slightly different to that you know they are working through different books of the bible and do other things and i was just like yeah ours was just um yeah we're talking about pornography um, and yeah it was an it was a very interesting conversation though it was a very interesting conversation as just as that came out of my mouth i was just um, just thought that, you know, if there's anyone under 16 in the room, um, you may need to go out to your group because this might not be appropriate for you. I guess it's, par- it's up to parents to make that decision. But um, yes, I'll leave it there. Um, so yeah, I said that's what going to be that's what we 're talking about, and I began to just share some of the stuff that we were talking about, and actually, it was a really fruitful kind of conversation because two of the other church leaders said, "Do you know what, we really need that material for our church, so just let me know you know tell us what material you 're using, so I let them know. Um, so yes, we are continuing in the culture of grace know and, I, and, and the, whole, the whole heart of this message is to see people set free in our in our body in our church that 's what the whole point of this message is it 's to see everyone walking in freedom in their lives so there 's nothing hindering us from our, in our relationship with god that 's the ultimate kind of goal of this and the culture of grace is about um, is about all of us being open and honest and vulnerable with one another so that we can see god work in each other in our lives Um, you know there was i think this is this is said in the conquer course that we do that you know you you get free in community you can heal in community you need other people around you actually god designed the body of christ to be a body so that we're there for one another we're there to help each other uh, we're there to bring that word in season when someone needs a word in season. We're there to, to you know, to hold each other up and to to, to speak into their lives. Um, and and at every, you know, at times, you know, I need someone to speak into my life, and then I speak into someone else's life. And then that person, you know, speaks into someone else's life. We're a body together to build each other up. The body of Christ is there to build us all up so that we be, so that we get in, We become. Uh, fully like Christ but we we get up how could I explain this we we meet our potential in God so all that's in us all that God's given to us everything that we have God wants to see that all come out he wants us to get he wants all of us to meet our our highest potential in him and we can all do that but we need each other around us to be able to do that um And it's important to be in, that's why it's important, we say, to be in a small group. That's why it's important to come to church on a Sunday. That's why it's important to be around other believers during the week, you know, just be in contact with people. Don't let the enemy lie to you to try and isolate you, to say you don't need anyone else, just stay at home. You know, you don't really need to be part of anything. You can do it yourself. That's not really true. God designed the church so that we are around each other we carry different gifts we carry different anointings we carry different things so that we can all share together and encourage one another and build each other up so it's so important to be in community and and this whole message about the culture of grace is all about that it's about being in community sharing with one another and being vulnerable with one another so that you can be healed and set free so I'm just going to share a tiny bit about my journey in this area. Because as I said a number of weeks ago, and many of you would know, that I have struggled in this area of of pornography. Um, Some of the stuff that that was spoken about, I think Colin mentioned it, that often when someone's stuck in an addiction like that, it can come from... Some sort of a wound or something that's happened in your life a long time ago, and then you kind of medicate the pain of that wound with an addiction. So it could, it might not be pornography; it could be anything. You know, it could be alcohol, drugs, whatever—all sorts of things, food. Um, But I would say, for me, it didn't come from a place of a wound or something that I was struggling. You know, something that happened to me long ago that I was then medicating using using pornography. I would say I was. I would say. I was discipled by my friends and the culture that was around me. I was just, I grew up, um, I, wasn't, I wasn't a Christian when I was young, I, I became a Christian when I was about 21, I think. And um, I grew up just in the culture and just the friendships and school and films and stuff like that. The culture taught me to basically objectify women, to see women as sexual objects, where instead of thinking about a relationship with a woman it was more about you know what could I get from a woman and that was the culture it was a laddish you know my friends laddish kind of culture where you just you go out clubbing and it's like okay how many people can I sleep with how many people can I you know how many women can I chat to how many women's numbers can I get in my phone or whatever and it it was that kind of culture that that caused me to go in that direction you grew grew up in it and you just become like it don't you you just absorb it and and really pornography is kind of the pinnacle of that because it's self-gratification so it's objectifying a woman and then self-gratifying yourself um, by watching the material so Many, so a number of years ago, I was, you know, I struggled with that, and then God took me on a journey to get free of that. And that it took a lot. It took time, you know, as these um, courses that we're doing say that it can take two to five years. It could take, you know, 90 days. It, you know, yes, God can do a miracle. He can set you free instantly. But often it takes it takes a number of years to renew your mind with the Word of God. Um, so God took me on a journey. So when I when I first gave my life to the Lord and I was kind of stuck in this addiction, um, I got to the understanding that this wasn't right. It took a while to actually get to that point of understanding. Okay, this isn't right, and this is an addiction, and this is a problem that I need to see myself set free in because this isn't this isn't the best will for me from God. And um, so I got yeah I went on a journey with this and the the. The first step of the journey, which is kind of where I'm going to be landing, a lot of what we're talking about this morning, was first of all breaking the denial that I that I was stuck in this. Because often denial is one of the first things in any addiction that you've got to break. You've got to break the denial structure that says to you, "Ah, it's not really a problem. You're okay. You're fine. You don't need any help. You can just kind of get through this yourself. You're really still in control of your life." But actually, an addiction, you're really not in control of your life. You know, the definition of an addiction is, is where you're trying to stop, but you can't stop. You're trying to, you know, not do what you're doing or not take what you're taking, but you can't, you can't physically do it. And that's, that's a good sign that you've got an addiction. And um, so, first of all, getting over the denial part of it, this, the next part of it, which is what I'm going to talk about, is, is kind of, it's confessing to someone that you've got the problem. Speak, seeking help from someone else, but it's it's you've got to open up about it to someone. Someone, somewhere, or a group, or something. You've got, the first step is always confessing. Opening up your mouth and admitting, I have a problem. You know, in those AA groups, you know, you just see on TV and stuff like that, they kind of... Um, they kind of have like a little funny thing where they just say, you know, um, my name is whoever and I am an alcoholic. You know, they they kind of picture it in an AA group like that. And that may seem quite harsh and it may seem like you're speaking something quite negative over yourself by saying, I am addicted to this. But actually what they're doing in that group setting is breaking the denial structure in your heart to say, you've got to admit the first step is admitting you have a problem. If you can't admit vocally to say you have a problem, you will hide it and you'll never fully deal with it. So that's, that's always the first step. A scripture that I want to kind of share, um, that I kind of got, we picked up the other day, I think I used it in one of the prayer meetings that we're in. But then I did kind of feel as, as the week was going on, I was like, this is actually, I think, where we need to, to land this this message this morning. And there's lots of other scriptures as well. But Psalm 32, if you could... Yeah, let's start at Psalm 32. Um, This is a Psalm of David. And David was... David, as many of you would know, struggled. Um, There was lots of things that he, he, he struggled with and dealt with. But one of the worst sins that he committed in his life was... He saw a woman bathing, showering, whatever she was, naked and he said that I want to have her as one of my wives and he then went on to find out who her husband was and put him on the front line in battle so that he would be killed in this battle and then he went on to take that man's wife for himself and it was a massive sin and he knew he had done wrong and there's a number of psalms actually that refer to this sin this is one of them and psalm 51 is probably a, a very popular one that most of you would know but i was reading this the other the other day and and i kind of felt god was saying to me it's it's you've got to get get to that first step and recognize that you've you've done something wrong so david came to terms with that he recognized he'd done something wrong and then he had to deal, he had to go on this journey with God and deal with the sin that was in his heart. So let's just read through this. So it says, Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them and in whose spirit there is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me and my strength was sapped. As in the heat of summer. So if you just just keep it there, Jason. So that's just the first bit of Psalm 32. So you can see that David got to a point where he realized that he had done something wrong and he felt like the conviction of God on his on him. So when he was saying there, you know, when I kept silent, so when I didn't speak it out to anyone, I didn't confess it to anyone, I didn't confess it to God, didn't deal with it, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me and my strength was sapped as the heat of summer. And it's like he's saying that as he kept quiet, as he kept it hidden, as he was dealing with the guilt of what he'd done, it was like the conviction of God was heavy on his heart. And he was like, you know, I, 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 feel, I feel bad for what I've done. I feel that guilt. I feel that shame. If we flick on to the next one. It says, then I acknowledge my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. So he then made a decision in his life to say, okay, I'm dealing with this sin in my heart. I'm dealing with this guilt, but I've decided, I've acknowledged my sin. I've decided I'm going to speak to God about this. I'm going to come before God and I'm going to deal with this sin with God. And I'm not going to cover it up anymore. So there is a point in our lives where we need to confess things to God but there's also as we're going to look at some other scriptures there's times where we need to confess things to other people as well it's one thing just doing it directly to God but and that's great and we need to do that but there's also a time a right time in the right place where we need to admit things that are going on and we need to confess them to other people or another person and that famous scripture in James which we're going to come to um it says, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. And the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. But it's saying, confess your sins to each other so that you may be healed. There's something about where we're open and honest with one another, healing takes place. Uh, yeah, sorry, if you just go back to that other one. So he said, So he got to the point, so I acknowledge my sin to you. So he's speaking to God and did not cover up my iniquity. And I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. So David's come to a point of feeling guilty, feeling ashamed of what he's done, and, and feeling the weight of conviction on his heart from the Lord. And then he said, OK, God, I just I confess this thing to you. And he, he received forgiveness straight away. And this is interesting, actually, because this is Old Testament. But he, he knew he needed to confess to God, and he knew when he confesses something to God, he will receive that forgiveness. If we just go to the next one. Is there, was there another one in Psalm 32? Yeah. So, therefore, let all the faithful pray to you. So, this is in the context of, of asking God for forgiveness and receiving that forgiveness from God. It says, therefore, let all the faithful pray to you while you may be found. Surely the rising of the mighty waters will not reach them. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. I will instruct you, so this is the Lord speaking now, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go and I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. Isn't that brilliant? So that's in the context of almost of repentance, of David dealing with this stuff with God. Then then he, then he just says, you know, obviously by the spirit of God, he's writing these Psalms. Therefore, let all the faithful pray to you while you may be found, surely the rising of the mighty waters will not reach them. You are my hiding place. You will protect me, from, um, you'll protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. So in the context of repentance, it's then saying, okay, God will step into your life. When you are when you're repent of stuff that's going on in your life, when you deal with things with God, when you ask for his forgiveness and you're dealing with stuff, he steps in, and there's so many other scriptures you can you can quote about that dealing with things with God, and then He steps in to say, "Okay, I'm I'm going to protect you." You um, you know, He's our hiding place. He'll surround us with songs of deliverance, and He'll instruct us in the way we should go. Sometimes um, I have found in my life when, and this this is this is a word for someone here this morning, or for a number of people this morning. Sometimes when you it's not all the time, but sometimes when I feel like there's a bit of a dryness between me and God, like sometimes you find it hard to just, just, when you're praying, you're not really feeling God, and you're worshipping, you're not really feeling God, and you kind of go through a bit of a a dry time, a bit of a wilderness time with God, and you you just find it hard to connect with him and, and just get involved in the things of God. Often what I feel the Lord leads me to do Is to work through anything that could be between myself and him. And to just say, Holy Spirit, is there anything between me and you and you know and God? Is there anything of a blockage there? Is there any kind of undealt with sin there? Is there stuff that I'm holding my heart towards other people that shouldn't be there? Unforgiveness, bitterness, you know, anger? Is there things that I'm just I haven't dealt with you about? And That's kind of blocking things. And often, often, most of the time, um, when I get to a place like that, there is is some stuff there. And it's very healthy to just do that every now and again. Just ask the Lord to just reveal to you, is there anything in my heart that that I haven't repented of? I haven't dealt with with you. And the Holy Spirit is usually very quick to show you. (laughs) If you could hear God, you know, the Holy Spirit will just lead you to anything. And sometimes, you know, we talk about keeping short accounts. You, may, you might have heard that phrase before, keeping short accounts with God. and And what that is, is doing exactly that, making sure that you're, you're not allowing anything to just build up inside your heart, resentment towards other people, unforgiveness towards other people, where you haven't dealt with things that you may have done that you know God doesn't really want you to do, but you, you haven't really repented of it, turned away from it, dealt with it. You've just kind of kept it in the background and you kind of carrying on with your life. We can all do that. You know, I can do that. We can all do that. But it's very healthy to keep short accounts with God, which means just almost daily, God, is there anything there? Is there anything I need to deal with? And I often find when I do that, it's like straight away, God is back in the room. I deal with stuff and he's there. He's present. You're able to pray again. You're able to move forward again. Um, What the Bible kind of refers to it is, is grieving the Holy Spirit. You can grieve the Holy Spirit by doing things, saying things, thinking things, and not repenting of them, not dealing with them with God. And I want us to do some of that today, especially before we take communion today. I want you to take some time to just to just hear God on anything that could be a blockage there. And it's so easy for things to creep into our lives. You know, if you're married between your husband and wife, there can always be things there. With children, there can be always things there. In your workplace with your boss or other work colleagues or family members, there can always be stuff there that's just, you leave it in the background. Oh, that person really annoyed me the other day. You leave it there and it builds up a resentment so you see that person again and immediately your mind just goes to, oh, that person, oh, they really wind me up. Uh, and you know you know, at that moment you haven't dealt with it in your heart. Yes, there is obviously times where you've got to go and speak to that person and deal with whatever the offence was or whatever happened. Um, and you've got to, you know, make things right with them or even, you know, it could be something they did. And you just need to be honest with them and say, do you know when you said that the other day or you did that the other day, that really... Did, that really hurt me. That really offended me. And deal, you know, have a conversation with that person, if possible. I know sometimes that's not possible. You know, there can be abusive relationships and things like that where you can't go to the person and deal with it like that. But, but allow God to just show you this morning if there's any anything. Maybe God's dropping people into your mind right now, um, anything or anyone that you need to make things right with. Okay. Let's can we go back to 2 Chronicles 7? This is a this is a very famous scripture that many of you will know. And you know, God's relationship with Israel was always kind of like a backwards and it was a backwards and forwards kind of Israel would do really well, you know. He brought them out of Egypt. And have you ever heard that phrase that God can take you out of Egypt but it's it's more taking Egypt out of you is the is the issue and this is actually some of the stuff we're talking about you know we can we can sometimes God can actually help you come out of an addiction but actually he can set you he he can kind of release something of a of a, an oppression off of your life when it comes to an addiction, but you've got to stay free and you've got to do the work, the work of sanctification in your heart and in your mind and your life, you know, as, as we've been talking about over these last weeks. That is a process that he has to take us on where, we, where, we, where we're we, having our mind renewed so that we're staying free. Um, but God's relationship with Israel, they would... They would they would do really well, and then they would not do so well, and then they would do really well, and then not do so well. They would listen to God, obey God, do everything God's saying, and God would bless them, and everything would be great. And then they would kind of mess up and then go back and then rely on themselves and, and get themselves into trouble, and, and then God would, kind of, God would kind of step back a bit from them. And this scripture kind of describes that. So this is when Solomon was dedicating the new temple that he would just built for the Lord to he was dedicating it to the Lord, the Lord began to speak to him. And this is obviously just a little snippet, but God said to Solomon, okay, when I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or command locusts to devour the land or send a plague among my people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I'll forgive their sin and I'll heal their land. So, so God was actually warning Solomon. He was saying, you know, if, if the people of Israel turn away from me and I've got to judge them. Now, obviously, in the, today we don't believe that God judges us in that same way anymore. Um, we believe that Jesus has taken all judgment upon himself on the cross. But sometimes God allows certain things to happen in our lives. But in this scripture, he gives a pathway out, so he says, "If I have to turn on my people in judgment and you know my hand is on you know against them here's how you get out of it and this is kind of a lifelong um, i'd say it's a lifelong lesson of how to if you find yourself kind of in a position where you feel, you know, you've kind of strayed away from God, this is how you get back in, with God. And actually, we can use this. You can still use this every day. So if my people are called by my name, will humble themselves first of all and pray. Now, the, the process of humbling yourself is, is is also part of that confessing. You know, to confess something to someone, you've got to humble yourself. To admit that you've done something wrong... There's a certain level of humility you've got to bring in. And some of our problems are we we can be very proud. Speaking about ourselves, we can be proud. We can be, you know, arrogant sometimes. We can sometimes not. We don't like to um, admit that we're wrong. We don't like to hear, you know, correction or criticism or or be told what to do, especially in this day and age more than ever. And we can find it difficult to humble ourselves, but that is the first thing that God wants us to do, is to actually come humbly before him uh, or come humbly before someone else and, and speak to them, confess. So humble, so yeah, if my people are called by my name, we'll humble themselves and pray. So we humble ourselves first and then we pray, we speak to God and then seek his face and then turn from our wicked ways then he will hear from heaven, and he'll forgive their sin and heal their land. And you can take that in a kind of a micro way in your own life. If you humble yourself before God, speak to him, seek his face and turn from whatever's going on in your life, he will come in, he will deal with what needs to be dealt with, he'll forgive your sin and he'll heal you, he'll deal with things. Now we know that um, it's not always as quick as that, that you, you just say, okay, God, I'm sorry, I confess this sin to you. Um, and that's that's what happens with certain addictions. They're not just, they don't break like that. They can do. I mean, maybe you've heard many stories of other people where they've been addicted to something. They have maybe given their life to the Lord or, or just prayed or someone's prayed for them and immediately that addiction's broken. They never go back to it. Um, but I'd probably say more often than not, It's a process that God takes you on of of turning from your wicked ways and and him forgiving you and healing you. So obviously forgiveness comes straight away, but sometimes coming out of that addiction takes time. It takes takes a bit of renewing of our mind, transforming ourselves, using the word of God, walking things out with God. And often it's a lifelong process. It It doesn't ever stop. The enemy will always be trying to attack us and trying to tempt us and trying to dangle things in front of us and saying, go and do that. You know, it will be good for you, just go and do it. You know, so there's a lifelong battle that we're in with the enemy and there's a lifelong process that we're in in sanctification, renewing our mind, becoming more Christ-like. Okay, if we could just go to Psalm 51. Psalm 51. And this just tags on the end of... So Psalm 51 is another psalm of repentance from David where he, he, he talks about, you know, the sin that he committed before God and, and he, he goes through a prayer of dealing with it with God. And towards the end of that psalm, he says this. He says, "'Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God. "'You who are God my Saviour "'and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. "'Open my lips, Lord.'" And my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O oh God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. You, God, will not despise. And I love that verse 17 there. So David's saying, you know, deliver me from the bloodshed. So he, he had this guilt. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed. Um, and then I will praise you. But right at the end, there it's so it's having. A, I think other translations say um, a humble and contrite heart instead of a broken and contrite heart. They say a humble and contrite heart. But actually, what what David is getting out there is that God loves us to have a soft, you know, malleable heart where it's humble before Him. And contrite, another word for contrite is repentant, having a humble and repentant heart. And he wants us to keep short accounts. And David was saying there, my sacrifice to you, God, is having that broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. And God will never despise that. If you ever want a pathway directly to God, as that previous scripture was talking about, you know, humbling yourself, admitting that you're wrong, turning from your wicked ways. But here, here is another scripture where it says just having that lowly, humble heart before him, that it's not, pr- it's not proud, it's not hard, it's not full of bitterness, full of anger, full of resentment. It's humble before him that he can maneuver it, he can use it, he can speak into it. That's what he's looking for, for from us, a repentant heart, keeping those short accounts. And that's what David was saying. This is my sacrifice to you, God. You know, it's not just about giving you burnt offerings and doing all the kind of stuff for you, God. It's about having that heart that you can speak into, that you can do whatever you want with, that listens to you, that hears you, that responds to you. If we could go to 1 John 1. Do you know... uh, this this scripture in one John one I think it's the the next slide from verse seven, but we'll we'll come to that in a second. If you go back to the other one, I remember praying a while back, and and one day I was just I was just asking God. This was years ago. I just said, okay, God, just give me a scripture to read in the Bible that is like a really key scripture, something that is like a really important scripture to you that I just need to hear right now. That is a kind of a life kind of a scripture I can pin my life on in in a way, kind of have one of those kind of moments with God and he gave me, he just supernaturally led me to this scripture. I, I think I, the the words came into my mind, I didn't even know where it was in the Bible back back in those days, I, I think I just heard it but the words came to my mind and then I tracked it down and you know since then this has been like a really key scripture to me. Um, so I'll just read it and the, the scripture that that God spoke to me was from verse seven, but I'll just start here. It says, this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet we walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. The next bit. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So that verse 7 there, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. And I, you know, when I heard, when I heard that scripture from the Lord and just reading the context of it, it's so, it, it really hit me and God began to open up this, the, the word to me that our lives are all about walking in the light, walking in the light with him and walking in the light with one another. And walking in the light is making sure you've got nothing hidden, nothing kept in darkness, nothing kept in the background, nothing that you're kind of saying, okay, God, you can, you can look into all these areas in my life, but not this area. It's, it's being completely open with him. Now, we know that God knows us completely. He knows everything that's going on in our hearts, in our minds. He created us. He knows everything in our life already, but there, it, you can still hold things kind of away from him. And, and sometimes it's a, I think I remember, it's an immature thing to do where you kind of just like, okay, God, you can have this area of my life, but not, not this area of my life. And, and it's, it took, I remember it took me years to kind of just be, to have moments where you're just like, okay, God, you can have everything my money, my relationships, my children, my jobs, my direction, my future, my hopes, my dreams—everything, God, it belongs to you. You, you make that decision, and you tell me where you want me to go, what you want me to do. That's walking in the light, and also sin. So, so that's one part of walking in light, but then also the sin side of it can also be okay. This is happening in my life, and I am just not going to admit that it's sin. I am just going to continue doing it, and I just I'll just continue doing it, and. And God doesn't want us to have a relationship with him like that. And he doesn't want us to have a relationship with others like that. He wants us to walk in the light. He wants us to to be with him with light shining on everything and nothing hidden. And I love verse 8. And I'm so glad that verse 8 is in the Bible. I'm sure many of you will be glad too. Because God is, you know, in, in this passage of Scripture, God is not, it's, it, it's a great Scripture that allows us to just accept that we're, we're not perfect and God knows we're not perfect and we'll probably never be perfect. Now, obviously, in, God sees us in Jesus, so he sees us perfect in, in, through the kind of lens of Jesus being in our lives. But in a certain day-to-day reality, there will be things that we trip up in, thought, word, deed. There'll be sin in our lives. And if if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So there will always be something that we trip up in. But that doesn't mean we're sinners. We're still saints in God's eyes. And we are still um, accepted in him, in the beloved, because of what Jesus has done for us but there is things that we do that we shouldn't really be doing or thinking. And, but what, what that scripture is trying to say to us is walk in the light with God, acknowledge your sin, acknowledge the things that are going on, acknowledge the things you're struggling with, and the blood of Jesus, his son, will purify us. So as we, as we confess these things, the purification comes. If we go to the next, the next one, is there another one in one you'll know? Yes, this is obviously the key verse. So if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Isn't that amazing? That should be a scripture that you always remember, always keep. It's one of those scriptures for life that you just need to memorize because it's so important that when we come before him, we confess what's going on in our hearts, in our lives, what we've done. He's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us, purify us from all unrighteousness. So as it's a promise to us, as we come to him, he will do that. So in the light of that scripture, I want us to, to just take a bit of a moment right now. Um, and I think we'll do this before we hand out any communion stuff. I want you to just take this opportunity to just have to just pray. It would be nice to have some keyboard, but I'm not sure if we can have anything like that. I don't know. You, we've got no keyboard. Um, but I want you to just take some time right now and just just deal with anything in your life. So as I've been talking. I do believe God may have been bringing people to mind that you need to forgive. He might have been showing you things in your life that you just need to say, okay, God, I just turn away from that. I'm sorry, I shouldn't be doing that. I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have said that, whatever. And just do business with God for a moment <clears throat> before we take communion. Let's just go for that. Just ask the Holy Spirit to just reveal anything that may be there is there just say god is there anything that is unrepented here that is coming between me and you because if there is lord i just want to get rid of it and just allow god just allow him to speak to you and reveal anything to you that you need to just deal with thank you for listening to this kingdom faith podcast we trust it's been an encouragement to you